A spectator subscription is now better value than ever before. As a new subscriber joining today, you'll pay just £1 a week for unlimited online and app access in your first year. To subscribe today, go to spectator.co.uk forward slash unlimited. Hello and welcome to Coffeehouse Shots, a Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Katie Balls and I'm joined by Kate Andrews and Fraser Nelson. There's still two weeks left of the Tory leadership contest, but as of Friday, we'll finally know what the energy price cap for October looks like and therefore the level of crises facing the next prime minister. Before we get to that, we have Liz Truss's economics plans are in focus. There was a briefing to the Sunday Times at the weekend, Kate, suggesting that when it comes to her emergency budget, of which the only things we currently know would definitely be in it, according to previous briefings, are tax cuts. Some talk would also provide emergency support. She will not go to the OBR for a forecast. What does that mean? So the Office for Budget Responsibility does a forecast next to big fiscal events to put some real numbers and some real meat to compare to what the Chancellor is actually announcing. And it allows us to see how this is supposedly, because remember these are forecasts, they're not crystal balls, it's going to impact on growth in the future, what kind of impact it's going to have on borrowing, the debt, the deficit, and the rest of it. And Team Trust is already hinting that for their emergency budget, which is thought to be towards the end of September, they would not have an OBR analysis. Now the argument from Team Trust goes that there just wouldn't be enough time that the OBR usually needs at least 10 weeks notice to do this. And so it just wouldn't be reasonable to try to produce that. And they would produce that later in the year. The criticism, of course, is that Liz Truss is talking about completely overhauling the current economic agenda. She's talking about tens of billions of pounds of tax cuts alone. We will be expecting more support announcements for the energy price cap, Katie, which you mentioned. And the OBR's current forecasts from March are now so out of date, frankly, because we've had far worse economic news than they were expecting, that to announce huge tax cuts, huge spending, without independent fiscal analysis is irresponsible and also, frankly, extremely political in the sense that the criticisms levied against her about fantasy economics are perhaps, her critics would say, something she wants to avoid so she doesn't want the scrutiny. Now, she would not be legally compelled to do these forecasts. I think the you're supposed to do the OBR forecast twice a year. But it would be interesting to see how long this actually holds up for. Other independent analysis, say from the Institute for Fiscal Studies, would probably come out looking at her figures. It, it could easily backfire politically. And I also think post-COVID, this idea about timelines, you know, when it comes to emergencies, do the OBR really need 10 weeks to get something down on paper would also be under question as well. Fraser, Rishi Sunak surely looked at emergency relief before without having an OBR forecast. Is this really so new, presuming that she does have one at some point this autumn? It is quite new and it is a little bit worrying. And the OBR forecast, when they come out, will be absolutely atrocious. We won't have had them for quite a while, so they're going to have a very different view now on forecasts, for example, for wages, for disposable income, the full horror of what economic life is going to be like in Britain in the next 18 months will be laid out not by Liz Truss's budget, but by the OBR document. Now, of course, let's say I'm Liz Truss's economic advisor. I'm saying, look, Ms. Truss, you've got these things you want to get good headlines for, you've got these tax cuts. But the problem is, if you let the OBR do their forecasts on the same day as you release your tax cuts, the OBR is going to show your tax cuts won't even come close to taking away the pain of what's to come. So your whole message could get swamped 
by the reality check of the OBR. So let's not let them publish and let's give some space. And that's what happened to Rishi Sunak for the spring statement, didn't it? You had the OBR actually leading all the front pages with its figures suggesting that the economy was in really bad shape. Mm, that was a, a rather beautiful juxtaposition here. So you've got Rishi Sunak saying, you know what, guys, I'm going to take 4p off petrol duty. And to celebrate, I'm going to do a photocall of me filling up somebody else's car at a, at a petrol station. And, and before the OBR, that would have got all the headlines the next day. Oh, Chancellor slashes 4p of petrol. But as it stands, the OBR were forecasting just how awful petrol is. As it turns out, 4p will not blow the skin off a sausage. Not if you're paying £2.20, as I ended up doing a litre, for, for petrol. The Rishi Sunak's 4p is neither here nor there. So that, from a spin point of view, is why you want to stop the OBR announcing anything at the same day, because it robs the Chancellor of their ability to spin. It robs you of your ability to control the narrative. Journalists will, by and large, and the broadcasters, will write up the metrics they're given, so you can yet again start to ration the supply of the facts that they're given. So what you will then get is a, a budget similar to the Gordon Brown-style budgets, where he would have, for example, the Wednesday to do his budget, and on the Thursday, you'd get the Institute of Fiscal Studies doing their independent analysis. Everybody would traipse off to the IFS, and then Friday's papers would have the bad news, but it doesn't matter because the bad news wouldn't be given anything like as big a profile as the good news, which is carefully controlled by the Treasury. Now, this matters because George Osborne, to his great credit, decided when he created the OBR. He wanted to neutralise the IFS. He wanted to stop this kind of system where the Chancellor said X, but then the truth was dragged out shamefaced the next day. So he wanted to make it harder to spin, to mislead, and the OBR despite my reservations about the way it scores dynamic taxes, has done a very, very good job in identifying the most newsworthy and the most relevant economic trends and leaving nobody in any doubt about bad things that are about to happen. So I think it's a bit of a depressing step back from the initial spirit of transparency where the Tories are thinking, actually, no, we would rather regain the power to manipulate the news, and that means we want to keep the OBR in its box and tell it to come out with its bad news stories in a couple of weeks' time after we've finished getting our clear headlines. Kate, talking about the energy cap as of Friday, predictions suggesting that could go above 3500 at the moment, but that is also potentially the rising cost of energy having an effect on inflation. There's an alarming forecast, or not quite a forecast, there's an alarming figure out today. Can you tell us what it is and what's the methodology? So City has estimated that UK inflation is on course to go over 18% this winter. Really staggering figures. So far, the Bank of England has predicted that inflation will hit 13%. should be noted that the bank has always been wrong. They've been too optimistic. Inflation's just constantly been worse than what they were actually forecasting. But what City has done is they haven't done a a full breakdown of all areas where prices could rise, but they're, they're specifically looking at the energy price cap and they're looking at the cost of energy. And Can I jump in there, Kate, and say that on our Spectator Data Hub, we do try to keep track of market expectations, because this is, of course, one of the most important things, not just what the rates were yesterday, but what they're going to be tomorrow. Now, previously, our unique graph, which shows you what your Bank of England base rate is projected to being, was suggesting that these predictions were getting better, that people thought they weren't going to hit 3.5%. In fact, they're more likely to peak at 3%. So for homeowners, things were looking a bit better, cheaper mortgages. Now, recently, in the last two weeks, that slid into reverse. And the market is now expecting base rates to peak closer to 4%. Remember, these rates are at 1.75 now. 
So I think that city forecasts, which is so de- depressing, you think surely that must be some crazy kind of outlying thing. I think it is reflective of a new set of worsening prognoses. So it is is terrible, but even worse, it's plausible. In the report from the FT today, City think that inflation going higher would force the Bank of England to hike interest rates higher. So Fraser, to that graph that you're talking about on the database, that that would be somewhat reflected in in the city forecast. I think what's also quite frightening is that this is not the only body suggesting this. Goldman Sachs and EY have said that they expect inflation to go around 15%. So actually 18%, while it's one of the highest figures we've heard so far, isn't far off other very high figures that are being estimated outside of the Bank of England. And it is just that horrible reminder that so far the central bankers have really called this wrong and they have constantly been underestimating the extent to which prices are going to rise. So there's no reason to think when they say, well, we think inflation will peak at 13% now that they're right this time. It may well go higher. And just finally, Fraser, there's a poll in the Times today, which is a poll on focus groups, which is suggesting that floating voters in marginal constituencies have found little enthusiasm for either Liz Truss or Rishi Sunak as the next Conservative leader. And polling found that 49% of Tory supporters thought Boris Johnson should remain Prime Minister, more than the combined support for both Truss and Sunak. What was your reaction? This is a great piece of mischief-making by the Times here. The idea is that promoting the idea that Boris Johnson might think, actually, I'm going to unresign and I'm going to stay. But if you're given right now, the the leadership race has not exactly set the pulses of the country running. If you were to ask who would you rather become the next prime minister, Rishi Sunak, Liz Truss or Katie Balls, I think you'd probably win that poll, Katie, right now. So uh, the fact that you had Boris... Right now and at any time, I think. I feel (laughs) listeners may disagree, but um, you're welcome to get in touch and let us know. Feel free to to email us with with, with your comments here. But I think I'm right in saying that if they're given a completely free choice, then even now they say Kemi Badenich would be the preferred candidate. So uh, I think this is just a reminder that the Tory leadership race is effectively rigged. And the two candidates are by no means the two most popular candidates. So you can throw a third person, fourth person in the mix. It's all academic because I don't think Boris Johnson is going to unresign. And I I don't think Kimmy Badenick is going to make a dash for glory. I think right now her best course of action will be to be opposition leader in a couple of years' time. And actually, it's probably pretty hard to say what either candidate would be like as prime minister or make a fair judgment until they're in number 10. Yeah, a lot of these polls are obviously very speculative. I mean, by the way, I've spoken to some Tories who think this trust will be gone by Christmas. Such will be the disaster that are for premiership. I mean, that's pretty much what they said about Margaret Thatcher, of course, in 1979 as well. She was so mad that she couldn't possibly last a whole term. Liz Truss doesn't have a whole term. She'll have 18 months at best. But uh, anyway, I mean, what Boris Johnson called the relay race, the Conservative leadership, I think might have a few more people to go in the next few years. And with that, thank you, Fraser. Thank you, Kate.